This is a Handshake Agency podcast. Welcome to another episode of the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Agency Network. I'm your host, Neil Griffiths. Thanks for tuning in. Hope you've been well. Hope you've had a great week. Happy Friday. It's a very happy Friday for me because on this episode, I am joined by, in my opinion, one of the best comics going around right now. His name is Daniel Sloss. I'm sure you've heard of him. I'm sure you've seen his Netflix specials. Uh, he was actually in the country in 2019 touring X, which was the, a big show that everyone loved and he toured a lot throughout that 2018-2019 period. And somehow, in COVID times, when we've been told that international touring is pretty unlikely till at least 2022, Daniel is coming to Australia next month with a brand new show called Hubris. So he joined me in lockdown from the UK, in his UK home, to talk about the tour, the show, how the hell he's actually getting here, what the protocol is, uh, as well as his past shows I just mentioned, X, uh, he toured a lot, and he actually told me that there was a period where he was done with touring and performing. He hated it, but now he cannot wait to get back on the stage. We spoke about him hustling in the in the Australian comedy scene when he was younger, supporting someone like Dave Chappelle. We covered a lot in this episode, actually. It's very funny. He's a very funny man. I can't wait for you to hear it. So here is me talking to Daniel Sloss on The Green Room. Check it out. All right. For the very first time on the Green Room Podcast, Mr. Daniel Sloss, welcome to the show, my friend. Hiya. How are you? I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm in the UK. You're free, aren't you? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, for the most yeah. part. One of my best friends, uh, she lives in Australia, and um, I was talking to her the other week, and I'm like, like, what's the state of you know COVID over there? And she was like, it's only uh masks on like public transport and that is the most alien sounding world to me right now like britain's still man we're balls deep in it and it's so <laughs> devastating to go on social media. it was a nice time when we were all in covid and we were all sad and then you can't got out of it and you're still using the same fucking social media and you're well, going you, look nightclubs are open fuck you fuck no, well, you, you nightclubs are open. only only in certain cities and nightclubs open so i'm in sydney this, and this is the most frustrating part and like it, all things considered there's nothing really to whinge about but we're still in a position where our numbers are great but yeah. if you go to a pub, don't you fucking stand up? If you stand up, you're out of here. And it's like, like oh, you could really? be if like if it's like if you like say you have your drink and you stand up, you go into the bathroom. The big COVID marshal will probably say, "Where are you going?" Like I'm just gonna go piss. They're like, "Hurry up!" Like you oh, have man. you have to be seated at all times in bars and nightclubs. They've got nightclubs open where you can only be seated. But that you know what it is? That does not shock me at all, because if there's one thing I know about Australia is it's that you guys fucking love to enforce rules that don't matter. Australia is a great country for people who have never been given responsibility and then are given a tiny amount of responsibility (laughs) and then go fucking power mental over it since um I, every time i've been in sydney I had a guy that because oh, i understand sydney lockout laws are still like mm. i did i didn't know them i still don't know them they you know that changes every time i'm over i was in a bar in sydney and like 
I just recorded my Netflix special and we were celebrating afterwards and it was like 11 p.m. And I went up to the bar and I was like, hey, can I get like a, I get two Jaeger bombs? And the guy was like, no. And I was like, oh my God, what? And he goes, no, you can't. I'm like, but, but why? <laughs> like that's, a, that's a, he's like, it's, a, it's after 10 p.m. And I'm like, I'm very aware of what time it is and he goes, it's illegal. And I'm like, open with that. Like, just, like you know this accent. I don't sound like you. I've come from <laughs> the other side of the world where our drinking laws are earlier. But the worst part of the lockout laws is they were just made by a lot of old people. So their response every time is like, why do you need a drink after 11 p.m.? Why are you even uh, going out at midnight? It's like, did you shut the fuck up? What does it matter to you? Yeah, Sydney's oh man, there's it's it's very, very strict. It's always blown my mind because you've got such a laid back attitude in Australia, but what it means is your government walks all over you. <laughs> yeah, well, I think I think lockout laws are getting wiped like in the next month or so. Oh, fuck um, yeah. And yeah, and New South Wales in particular, if if we stay very low, our premiers told us that on the 17th we'll be able to dance again, which sounds like oh. fucking footloose. This is ridiculous. <laughs> but again, all things considered, it's um, you know, better than the UK and obviously like so you're yes. you're in the UK right now. You is it still very yes. much like a you're allowed to go for a run, you're allowed to get groceries, but stay the fucking side otherwise. Yep, yep. I mean, like every day is <laughs> the 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 same, but not in a you know, in a way we're just kind of used to it now. Mm. Um, I, I go to walk every day with my fiance. I and that's it. That's all I do. That's all I go on one walk a day. And on every every Sunday we go shopping and it's very exciting. Um, we go for a we go. Oh, and then on, on Sundays we treat ourselves to a particularly longer walk. And uh, <laughs> let me tell you, lockdowns made me fucking dull. I used to be famous, man. There was a t- I don't know if you know this. I don't know if you know this, but about two years ago, I used to be a comedian called Daniel Sloss. He was on telly. Right. Things were going very, very well for him. And now I'm a cunt that gets excited for fucking walks. And I sincerely get, I'm not even angry that I get, I genuinely get excited about it. None of this is a negative. <laughs> it's so fucking shite. You know, I saw on your press release that you've gone on Conan 10 times. Are you just walking around going like, I used to be on Conan? Yeah, yeah, man. Like it's so, like I got recognized at a McDonald's drive-thru the other day. Oh, Jesus. And I haven't been recognized in sitting a year. And I cannot tell you what it did for my tiny little ego, my shriveled, dehydrated. Ego. Oh, it was so good. So the guy was like, Are you, I know you. And my fiance was beside me. I'm like, yeah, yeah, it's me. <laughs> From from ages ago, oh, it's great. Is is that why? Because I mean, obviously, this is blown up everywhere. Is that why the, the this royal interview with Oprah is is as big as it is? Just because in the UK, what else are you fucking doing? Oh, I haven't watched any of it. I couldn't give a wet hot shit. Oh, that's good. <laughs> There's one person. <laughs> I could not. I would genuinely rather shit in my hands and clap than find out what a, a fucking pedophile family think about anything. I couldn't care less. I'm not well, attention. Yeah, no, I'm not interested. It's a, that's the English's problem. I'm up in Scotland. We've never cared, and I'm not going to start now. <laughs> so, what have you been doing? Like, when was the last time you performed a stand-up show? Um, so we, I mean, we were allowed to uh, gig from like June or July last year, but they started with like the really fucking the weird gigs 
the gigs where you were like, oh man, if this is what comedy's coming, I don't know if I'm doing it anymore. Like there was a lot of driving mm. gigs and they were mm. fun at the time because it was like, oh my God, we get to do something. But, you know, the driving gigs were a lot like a, well, they were all like a really good vegan burger. You were like, oh, oh, that was way better than I thought it'd be. It's nowhere near as good as the real thing. In sure. no way is it a replacement for actual meat. But for as a stand-in, it suits it. Um, and then some more restrictions started lifting in certain places. So I got to do like, like the day that Boris Johnson announced that we were going, like literally... Uh, 10 minutes before I went on stage, he was due to tell the country that we were going into our second lockdown. And I walked out on stage in the Palladium, did a 90-minute show to like half capacity, um, and then came off. And he, I mean, he still hadn't done the press conference because he's a coward. But <laughs> by, the, by, the, by the second show, it was uh, announced. So I, I, December was my last one. And it, and it was, I mean, it was at the Clapham Grand and the Palladium, and they were like big big rooms it kind of felt like a theater again it was fun and then and then it's been gone since is it is it true with the with the driving shows it's almost like you have to honk if you really like that joke yes yeah yeah it's dead weird. so it's so it's, it's like a room yeah it's, i mean it's a fucking car park for like 300 cars and mm. uh, the, uh, and it, the thing is for the people in the cars uh, we know it's like they are having quite a good time because one is their first time out of the house in months second of all they're just in the car with like their family or their friends and the show's coming through the car radio so like they've got the heating on and it's just like listening to a live podcast but in your car with your friends they delivered food to the window they delivered booze to the non-driver so inside people were enjoying it and the only way they could ever let you know that they were enjoying it was to press the horns but on the, on the other side, the only way they could ever show how much they were hating the show, the only way could, they could boo was to also honk the horns. <laughs> so, so, man, like, I could have been bombing. I could, like, I've got some really horrible jokes in the show this year just because I've gone mad with power and I'm bored and there's fuck all else to do apart from antagonise people. So I'm just saying horrible things, and I'm like, this might not be laughter. This might be 300 people trying to honk, like, in Morse code, please get off stage and die, but they're all doing it at the same time, so why just think I'm ripping it? So it's literally, what, last June would be your last show in front of hand to God, actual human beings in the flesh. No, no, no. so that was, no, no, no. that was the, the driving gigs were June and July. Right. And then, and then it was like, kind. it was small garden gigs, like outdoor ones. Mm. And then some slightly indoor ones from uh, August to October. And then, uh, and then December was the last one. So uh, it'll be, by the time I get out there, and by the time I get on stage out there, uh, it'll be about four months and I am going on raw dog. I'm not prepared. I'm just so excited to be back on stage. I hope yeah. whoever, whoever the first audience is, I want you to know that show's going to suck a dick. It's going to be, it's going to be, and I'm not changing it. It's going to suck. It's just going to be me just like milking every joke and getting all the attention I haven't been given for the past fucking 18 months. I'm just going to go keep clapping. It's 90 minutes of clapping. Tomorrow they get the fucking show. This is just what daddy needs. So this is crazy. Like we're recording this on a what Wednesday morning, Tuesday night, your time. 
Uh, yes, Tuesday, yes. Yeah. So the news came through like on Monday our time that you have been granted approval to come here in April. Yeah. How the fuck did you do this? Because like to my memory, I know Russell Howard has just done something here. And yeah. in April, they've planned a, a, a big music festival with a bunch of older acts like, you know, Bush and Stone Temple Pilots. They're coming here and everyone's kind of saying bullshit because our... Uh, We've kind of been told our borders, international borders, are going to be closed to at least 2022. So yes, please, I'm, I'm a, I'm a white man. <laughs> Australia's, <laughs> Australia's never had a problem with a white man coming into his country. That's never been the issue. I fucking no, no, I'm kidding. No, my agents, uh, my my agent manager over here, and uh, the my agents over there. Um, like we've been working for because we've been working for like months and months to make sure that it's possible. Uh, to to go ahead is um because I've I've been coming to Australia for dear God about ten years now. Mm. Last year was the first year in like nine years that I hadn't mm. gone there, and um I've got such as you know a second life out there. My best friend lives out there. My God, you know I've not seen my godson in a year. I've got so many close friends and um uh, people from Scotland that I live over there. So I've we've you know I I made sure it was a number one priority and the Australian government was gracious enough to sort of go yes you're allowed in and uh, I mean I'm still shitting my pants that it won't go ahead mm. I'm still worried that I'll just you know the day before I get on the plane they'll be like you know what fuck it no Scotland says no but what is the process like do you have to reach out and then it's like a six month waiting thing or is it you make a phone call and they just kind of say what we can do um I've got no. I've managed just a, a official processes like you a request a form, you fill it out, you sign it, you say like this is why we're coming over. This is you know, um, I, I, I you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm blagging here. I wasn't involved in the process. I've got a legal team that did it. <laughs> the the idea and the assumption with our country, especially with like music, is that you you're not going to be able to tour till 2022. So. I imagine this is going to be a strict process where you're going to have to, like, I think, what's the official thing? Wherever you land is your your point of quarantine. You're there for 14 days. And then are you just free to travel? 15. So at the moment, right. I mean, we're, we're playing it by whatever, I mean, whatever they say to do is what we have to adhere to. Uh, and, and, and they're allowed to change that at any moment. Uh, but at the moment, it's landing in... In fact, I don't know where we're landing, but it's from the airport, like, to immediately... Mm. to a hotel uh, where you're in. And it's not 14, I think it's 15 days. You've got wow. to have the f- full 14 days in. I've got to be tested before I fly out, of course. I've got to be tested the day before. I get tested on landing. I get tested at the end. Uh, and I've not, I've not, I've avoided all the tests. I've not, I've not, I've been good. I've not had any fucking thing all the way up to the back of my eyeball, changing the colour of my iris. And I'm so... I'm a queasy loser, man. I, I like I'm oh, not. Yeah, I'm not we were good. talking. We were talking before this record. Like, I'm getting my wisdom teeth out today. I'm fucking terrified. But apparently, with the with the COVID, what do you call it? COVID stick. Uh, apparently, when when COVID was just started, it was quite thick. So when they smashed it up your nose, it was like it was like someone was shoving a broomstick. Now apparently, it's like paper thin, so you can barely feel it. 
don't sell a thin dick to me. I still don't <laughs> want anything. Like, I know it's going to hurt less. It's still going somewhere I don't want it to go. Like, it's, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get about the girth, mate. I don't want something going up into the back of my mind and changing my thoughts from the inside. Well, you, well, you have to do it repeatedly throughout the tour. It's just now you're in the country, you're, you're free to run. Uh, don't know, genuinely don't know. Like, I'm not okay. the wrong person to... Uh, well, I mean, not that I don't know, but the Australian government have sent through the COVID, uh, like, an immigration sort of package that I have to adhere to, and that's my uh, reading material for the next two yeah. weeks before I go. Um, so, but I, I mean, I, th- I think when I get in, I've got free reign to go around, because, I mean, that's what... Carl Donnelly's also just gone over and they met mm-hmm. his wife's a resident and they've just done a, I mean, God bless them, they did a quarantine uh, with a baby just under a year old. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, same hotel. Like, uh, so uh, that's, I'm also, like, even though the quarantine side of it and the testing side of it, you know, it's not great. I'm, I'm not allowed to complain about it. Like, my fiance is furious. Not furious, she's happy for me because she knows how much I need this. But, like, she's also, she's like, I'll talk to you every day that you're in quarantine, and then the second you get out of quarantine, don't fucking talk to me too. Like, I don't <laughs> I don't want to know how much fun you're having. I've got no interest in seeing pictures of you outside. I'm going to block you on social media. And I'm like, that's fair enough. You know, it's such a privilege. Can you, can you, are you going to stay in Australia for a little while after, or have you got commitments right back afterwards? Uh, we, I didn't want to push my luck, man. <laughs> I <didn't> <laughs> to, like, didn't want to overstay my welcome over there. And then also, yeah, I mean, I, I need to, I need to get back to work. You know, this sort of forced holiday turned into a forced mental breakdown uh, <laughs> that we've all gone through for the past year. There's been pretty much no working from home from me, so I need to... Uh, but not not even that I need to get back to stand-up financially. I need to get back to it emotionally. I really, I, I truly miss my job. Like, being away from it for this long, especially, like, I did, I did a tour in 2018, I think it was, uh, well, fucked. We went over two. Yeah, 2018, 2019, 300 shows over 18 months, and it fucking nearly killed me. Uh, I went, man, I, d- I didn't handle it gracefully. Like, I, I decided to go for the full cliche, like, <laughs> like, like rock star. I'm like, I'll just get drunk and sad. That's what. That's what. That's that's what my people do when things don't go their way. They don't self reflect. They have mental breakdowns in hotel rooms, <laughs> aided by whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but there was a long time with that too when I didn't like uh, I didn't I, I lost the love of performing a lot because it yeah, was wow. just because I was on the road so I was doing the same show every single day it was just so fucking repetitive and the flight it's you know I think at one point we went the the tour schedule was from like Lincoln which is outside London to Tokyo to Singapore to Hong Kong to Australia to Iceland in a month so wow. Yeah, so I just went a bit mental. So there was a long time when I was like, I think I've broken myself. I don't think I love my like my job anymore. And then one month <laughs> of quarter, one month of pandemic, I'm like, I fucking missed my job. Well, that was and, that was because X was so big, wasn't it? Like it was kind of out of your control. That guess what? People love this and they want to see it. You have to go there now. Yeah, well, it was X coincided at the same time of the the Netflix release. So like, right. uh, I. I'd started the X to I'd written X in June or July, performed it at the Edinburgh Festival in August, and that was when it sort of became the show. And then Dark and Jigsaw were released 
on September the 11th, my birthday, uh, in 2017. Yeah. Uh, and and then Netflix don't tell you how many people watch the show. They don't tell you the numbers, right? Why? Because uh, if you know how well you're doing, then you can ask for more money. Oh, gotcha. Right, okay. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so they just don't. And man, man, Netflix is such a big, it's not their algorithm. They're very secrets, and that's why they're so very successful. Um, so they, we didn't. We had no idea how many people watched. I mean, I saw Twitter reaction and I saw like Instagram reaction and stuff, but you know, that doesn't necessarily correlate to anything. I went up about, you know, 30,000 followers in two days and we were like, that's interesting. So we put on a show like if in a, in a 500 seater, which I normally would just sell out like the day of, and then it would sell it in an hour. But we'd be like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, is there... Is there, an, is there another 1,000 people waiting for a ticket? Is there another 5,000 people? Or was it just those 500 people? Because <laughs> what you don't want to do, you don't want to put on a fucking, you don't want to then go, right, okay, next venue, we put on a, a 2,000 seater and then it's only a 75 person bleed over and you look like a fucking idiot. So we kept putting it up incrementally. We're like, add another one in a 1,000 seater, add another one in a 2,000 seater. And, and because it was also exciting, because it was also, you know, fucking global as well. Like, you know, it was from America to Canada to Japan and Hong Kong, these places. I never, my wildest dream ever forget, thought I'd get to do shows like in Russia as well. I just said yes to everything. I said mm. yes to absolutely everything. Because it was like, fuck it, this is what I've spent, you know, 10 years working towards. This, like, this graph, this is, I've got to strike while the iron's hot. And uh, I, I ran myself fucking... Ragged. I also didn't. I don't deserve sympathy for this. I could have, I could have eaten healthy and gone to the gym. I drank and partied like a fucking idiot, and I yeah. you know, smoked weed the entire time. It's not a woe is me story. It's a, I, I fucked up story. After the break, Daniel tells me why the excessive touring made him fall out of love with stand up, and why he desperately needed a break. Steve Bell here. I present the Handshake Agency podcast Rewind. Each series takes you back to a moment of musical heritage as we present oral histories about great albums of our time from the people who made them. If, like me, you have a geek-like curiosity about your favourite artists, track down Rewind with Steve Bell at thepodcast.com.au, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favourite shows. Well, it's, it's funny, because like, you hear it, especially with like touring bands, like I had... Um who was it? Like Taylor, from the drummer from Foo Fighters was on the podcast last year. And he said like during their three year stadium tour, there was just a point where he said like, I'm done. I, I just don't want to, I'm done with touring. Like it's not fun. And but the only time that they have genuine fun is when you're on stage performing. Everything yeah. else fucking sucks. Did you have the same experience? Yes. And that's, the, and it's, it's, you fucking hate yourself because the, the, the hour of the day that, you're on stage for the 90 minutes, the two hours. That's the great bit. The rest of the the job is you wake up at 5 a.m., you go to an airport, you go through customs, you get on an airplane, you fly to some place, you get another airplane, you fly somewhere else. And I know this sounds great. You get to travel the world. Of course, this is great. But you get you don't see the places. You land in a city, you get to a hotel room, you try and sleep for a bit, you come out, you do a sound check, you eat some fucking food that you don't even get to go to a restaurant. They bring it to wherever you are. You don't really get to, you know, you're just sort of, it's not that you get to visit places, you're exhibited in places, you know, you're doing a show. 
and uh, you know, I, it was it was it was the the bit was really tough was because you, you you fucking hate yourself because you go on stage and you've got this room full of people who love you who are so happy to see it, and part of you resents them because <laughs> you, you're like you the only fucking reason I'm here is because of yeah. you. You know, if you weren't here, I wouldn't have to do the show. But also, I'm not cancelling the show because I'd never cancel the show because I, I don't want to fucking disappoint you. So it's like, mm. I can never do that. And and you, you feel awful because, you know, man, I, I've, I've always loved my job. It's, you know, I'm one of the lucky people in the world who has a truly, truly brilliant job. And to, and to not look fucking forward to it, to just that, it was, it was really, really... Uh, tough, and I'm 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 glad in a way that this pandemic sort of put that into fucking perspective. Just shrunk my ego down a little bit, and I was like, "Come on, big boy, come on now, let's get over yourself." Do you, do you think though, like even like say COVID never happened and you were still touring, do you think like the lesson there is just don't tour as much as you are in that amount of time? Yes, yes, a hundred percent. Like uh, it was again that that tour was just it was a cluster fucking storm of just different. Like I got some really really big. We didn't know how to handle it. We underbooked. I over. Uh, I said yes to everything. We just got all caught up in the sort of storm, and it made me realize what I could and couldn't do. Um, and also, it got coming to a point where because everything sort of broken, you know, I became successful. You know, I can now tour the world. Uh, now that I can do that, it means I've got a little bit more uh, choice. And, you know, it means now after, after you know, 10 years of touring every single year, constantly just trying to get to this level, what I want to do is what the way I've done Australia for most of my life, which is, you know, come I get to come to Australia for two, three months at a time and I'll do Sydney or Sydney first or, uh, or yeah. Wait, 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 what fuck? I think you're Gold Coast first. Yeah, normally, well, that, that's this time, but normally back in the day, it would be Adelaide you did first, and then you come down to Melbourne Comedy Festival, and then it's Sydney, or Brisbane's before Melbourne, of course. And look, actually, I'm uh, looking at it right now. So you start the Gold Coast, then yeah. you're off to Hobart, don't know how the fuck that works, then Melbourne, yeah. then uh, Adelaide, then yeah. Brisbane, then yeah. Sydney, then Canberra, then Perth, then, I don't know, and then you end in Perth. That makes sense. Ending in Perth makes sense. Yeah, and there's multiple tours in those places. Like there's, where, where, I mean, each place for hopefully about three or four um, days in some place. I mean, I'm only in Adelaide uh, for for one because, well, it's Adelaide. Have you have you mastered that now? That like, as you said, like you, the the whole idea of hustling and, and going through the grind of being a comedian. Now you're in a position where you can tour the world. And having done that very long tour in what 2018, 2019, can you now like look at each country and go, no, you know what? I'm I kill it there. Let's book these amount of shows. This country fucking hates me. I do nothing there. Let's just avoid that altogether. Can you do that? Yeah, but we but we still don't we still don't know shit, man. We're still working it out. Yeah. Like Australia's great because man, Australia's been good to me pre-Netflix. Australia's always loved me. Like I've been going, I've been coming over there since I was, you know, 18. My mum made me uh, my mum made me sign a contract when I was 19 because the year before I'd gone over to Australia and I loved it so much uh, that she didn't think I'd come back the year after that. So she just like, I think she made me sign a contract that said, I will not stay in Sydney and marry Reese Nicholson. And I had to sign that. Again. <laughs> uh, and sadly, sadly, I had to legally, otherwise I would have married him on the fucking. You're, you're, in, you're in trouble now because he's just been announced as the judge on the RuPaul's 
drive right I down. I know, my fucking boy. He's out of here. He's out of here. Fucking boy. Oh, man. So I, I, I found out about that. Hey, I got the inside scoop. Uh, a yeah. month ago, and it's man, that's it's one of the most exciting things in the world because, like, you have to understand, me and Reese have like we properly pretty much started together. I obviously started going when I was seventeen. He started when he was eighteen. The first ever international festival I did was Sydney Comedy Festival, and Reese worked. He was doing. He's just an open spot like the comedy store, but he also worked the fucking uh, the box office at the Enmore, and. Uh, so and I was doing a show in the tiny little Yolumba fucking wine bar in the in the end. Mm. So me and Reese so would just we would do our comedy store spots like five ten minutes each. We'd then desperately just go and try and hang out with the other comedians because we were so desperate to be considered comedians. We couldn't believe that you know we were hanging out with Glenn Wool, we were hanging out with Tony Woods, all these people that we considered to be legends. We smoked way too much weed, like we got obnoxiously drunk because we couldn't handle our booze because we were children. And and we were uh, Tony Woods used to call us uh, Ellen and Conan because I had long hair and, <laughs> and we would just go around drinking. And me and Reese, we, you know, we we never in our fucking wildest dreams thought that we'd ever get to uh, uh, this level. And then about five or six years ago, we were both in Melbourne and we were doing the Melbourne Gala <laughs> and we were both really drunk at the side of the road afterwards. And we're like, we've done it. We've made it. We're comedians. And now, <laughs> you know, now we've both got Netflix specials and he's going to be on fucking RuPaul. And I'm like, man, those 20, those 25 year olds knew nothing. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's funny you mentioned that as well, because like, you know, we mentioned earlier that you've done Conan a bunch of times. When Conan came here, he did like, you know, he's, um, he's a broad series. He did the Australia yeah. edition and he did like a live show that I went to and um, he picked a couple of locals like Steen, uh, Becky Lucas and Reese was on there as well, and the whole yeah. joke throughout that tour was that Reese was Conan's love child. Yeah, they do, they, fucking, they, look, they do look fucking similar. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing that the only thing that gives away is that Reese is somehow fucking paler than Conan O'Brien, which <laughs> takes which takes a di- and the, and he's Australian. That's insane. Yeah. What what is your relationship like with Conan? Because like, as I mean, as far as like a, a talk show. Oh, Doing what I do, like I think Conan is is the is the goat of of all the talk show hosts. He's just he's like he just has a conversation and happens to be really fucking funny. Doing it ten yeah. times. Number one, is that a fucking record? Surely you're up there. I I don't know if it's a record. Uh, Paul Rudd's been on it a fucking bunch, but man, he's just been very supportive. Like I sincerely did not uh, think I'd ever do it more than once. But just Conan since the first spot. Um really sort of threw his weight behind me. Like he got in contact with the people at uh, Warner Brothers and Conoco, which is his company, and just had them um, support me. Like he, he's mentioned me in like, I think he did a speech at Harvard and somebody asked, a Q, was a Q&A at Harvard, sorry. And somebody asked him um, who his favourite up-and-coming stand-ups where he mentioned my name. And uh, it's, him himself has just been immense. I've only met him the ten times. So I've never met him outside of it. Like he's done, he's done so much for my career, mm. and all all I've ever wanted to do is just go, man. I fucking owe you so much. But yeah. the only time, the only time I can ever do that is when we're on cameras together. And uh, I don't, I don't think he's, I don't think he'd appreciate that. And I'd rather talk about me when. <laughs> Are you very invested in the US comedy scene? 
Because I know we just spoke a little bit about the Australian scene and, you know, the heroes and the people you look up to. I know in the U.S. there are just certain things you do in the U.S. scene, like whether you get a slot on Seth Meyers or maybe you're on the same bill at the comedy store when fucking Chappelle's going to show up an hour later. Like I supported I, Chappelle in fucking uh, San Francisco. My God, when? Uh, uh, oh, man, like three years ago, three or four years ago, um, I was in L.A. and I was meant to be doing the San Francisco Punchline one weekend. Uh, I was meant to be doing like the Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then on like the Tuesday before I fly there, <laughs> uh, I get a call from my agent and they're like, San Francisco Punchline just gone. Uh, Dave Chappelle. Uh, is, is he, he wants to do two shows at the punchline. So he's obviously it's Dave Chappelle. So they've, they've canceled your shows on the Friday. You're being paid for them. Obviously he's not an asshole. You're being bought out of the shows. He'll you're invited to the show. And uh, also Dave was wondering if you'd like to support him because obviously you still have some, you know, stage time since he took your job away from you. And I was like, no, I, I absolutely, I'll come to the show. I'd love to come to the show, but under no circumstance do I want to support him. Like I'll just, <laughs> Because I'll because I can't I cannot risk bombing in front of yeah I cannot bomb in front of the best to ever do it like even though I don't bomb regularly I have bombed we're all capable of bombing yeah if there's a what even a point zero percent chance that I'm gonna die on my arse in front of Dave Chappelle the best to ever do it I, I can't I can't risk it I'm not doing it no but so, without, without without tooting your own horn here how how do you resonate generally with the U.S. crowds. I love them. I absolutely love them. And it was my dad phoned me about five minutes later when he found out and told me I was being a fucking idiot. And I, and I then went on to support uh, Dave Chappelle. And I, did, <laughs> I did fine. I did fine. I right. got laughs, but everyone in the room, including me, was waiting for Dave Chappelle. But the was he, was he, do you know if he was watching or was he just in the back? Oh, I don't even want to fucking think about it. I know he was in the back. I met him in the green room. He was lovely. You know, he, we spoke a bit and uh uh, but I, I did, when I was I didn't look over there. I don't want to fucking lie. I don't even want to think about it. <laughs> uh, but the I I I love doing comedy in America. Um, they are so comedy savvy. Like it's, mm. it's you know it, it's so big over there. Um, I and it, it's it's such a fucking massive country with so many people in it, and they're, and they're just responsible for most of the greats. You know, when you think about the best to ever do it, um, I'd say about, you know, maybe about three quarters of the best are from America and then the rest are, you know, either British or uh, Canadian or, or, or Aussie. And the occasional Kiwi person, I'll be fair. Mm, sure, whatever. Who, who's <laughs> like, do you have like a number one that you consider to be the GOAT? Uh, not like what, like if, if you were to hold a gun to my head and say who's who's the GOAT, it's Dave Chappelle. Uh, yeah. But I've got, uh, man, I, I I love comedy. Like, I love stand-up comedy. So if you were to ask me my favourites, because I have about 40 or 50 favourites. I've mm. so many really, really um, great ones. And and um, the, one of the reasons I've loved gigging in, in Australia so much over the years is because uh, the Australian circuit for the past, like, 10 years has been so exciting because there's just so much sincerely fucking good talent coming up. I remember it, no matter where I was, whether it was doing the store in Sydney or doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival or even, uh, you know, Perth stuff and even fucking Adelaide. There's so many exciting, genuinely good comedians coming out from, 
you know, Oz and, and we're saying that now. I mean, you've obviously got fucking Nick Cody. We've got Reese doing stuff on Netflix and RuPaul's Drag Race. You've got fucking Auntie Donna finally getting their uh, mm. uh, Netflix shit. You've got ha- fucking, uh, you've got Gatsby. You've got uh, fucking Heggy. You've got people with all the stuff on Amazon. It, it's such an exciting time and it's only going to get better over the next uh, couple of years. I think, you know, that tiny little corner of the earth that you guys exist on is finally being recognised for the immense pool of talent that you like, have. COVID could be like the best thing that happened to Australia as far as attention because like we've got half a fucking Hollywood here right now. We just found out that like Clooney and Julia Roberts are coming down here now to film something else. Most people are just staying here because things are good and better than where they are. So fuck it, why go home? Oh, and when has that ever been true about Australia? <laughs> hey, <laughs> Australia, it's better than everyone else. <laughs> that is our tag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so tell me about um, Hubris, man. I mean, the, the last couple of shows have been very, obviously very funny and uh, they've got some pretty good messages behind it. Obviously, the, the show a couple of years ago, I know you were inundated with texts and emails and messages about people's relationships and marriages and obviously X uh, dealt with, you know, toxic masculinity. What is Hubris about? Is there a, a serious fucking, fucking nothing, man? It's about absolutely nothing. Um, that's why, but it's you know, my past four shows have followed a very you know similar uh setup. You know, it's about 50 to 60 minutes of jokes, and and then I go serious and talk about sad shit for about 15 minutes, and, and then I make 10 minutes of horrible jokes again. And we all feel sad and we all feel good about ourselves by the end. And then I do a two minute long speech and everyone claps and blah, blah, blah. That's my stand up in a nutshell. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, after fucking four of it, especially after X, like when it was so emotionally draining to do that show every night to sort of talk about, you know, the sexual assault of my friend over and over and over and over again. Um, but, you know, it t- t- took his fucking toll. I just want to go back to stand up. So. That's why hubris is called hubris. I'm just going back to going. I'm just fucking telling jokes. I want to do what I used to do, what I did when I, not when I started, because I was shit when I was started. Let's not go back then, but like (laughs) go back to where I was just before it, when I was, you know, writing X, when I was doing jigsaw and stuff, which is just doing stand up and and jokes that I think up on the day. fucking just just stand up i miss so much because i've been serious so much that i just miss saying stuff i don't mean i miss just fucking saying a joke that's horrible just for the sake of being horrible just to not vindictive and spiteful but you know like fucking poking the audience in their sensitive bits sort of teasing more of a react challenging their deepest deepest things that they hold dear be like come on let's have fun i've been locked indoors for a fucking year let's have fun what it's annoys you? That, let's talk that- about it that works in a live audience, not so much on Twitter. No, very... not at all. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe tell me one, but then I thought, you know what? You might get cancelled by the time this airs. Oh, we don't want that. No, you can't cancel comedians, man. Don't listen. You, human, Thank normal... God you said that. Thank you. Comedians can't be cancelled. but Everyone else can, but comedians cannot be fucking cancelled. You can get a bunch of extra attention. Um, that are, I find it so fucking stupid when people say... Kevin Hart was cancelled. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember he lost Jumanji too. When have we seen him fucking since? What 
You don't. You didn't get cancelled. You got fucking yelled at. You got yelled at for telling a joke that some people didn't enjoy, and you either ten years ago. Yeah, they're bringing up stuff from ages ago, like that. I go, but again, it's not fucking cancelling. You you lost a book deal. You lost a thing, but also you gained far more publicity, and also you'd made a very important fucking cull. Like you know, you got you've got to remember your comedy is not for everyone, right? Comedy <laughs> in general, of course, there's comedy for everyone. But no comedy should be for every single person. Your comedy is always going to fucking upset people. And that's fine. That's the world we fucking live in. If they're upset by it, they're allowed to be upset by it. That's their free will as well. But don't change for them. Otherwise, you'll never do find your fucking true voice. You know, I spent so many years on stage when I'd done um, uh, TV early on, when I'd done family-friendly stuff on television, and the people come see me live and, live, and I'm obviously fuck shit cunt there is no god drugs are great blah 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 shake 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 and people started leaving because they were upset by the things that i was saying because it wasn't what i did on television and they had every single right to leave because they were not enjoying my comedy and that's that's fine but i'm still going to do it because it's good that i've got rid of those people they were never going to like my shit they were only ever going to boo and now that they've cut themselves from me i can be more of the artist i want to be because i found the people that stick by me and that's the opportunity that these people have you go if you're t- you're not you're not angry that you were cancelled you were angry you're angry that only cunts like you now and that's because you said a cunty thing that you know you don't like your fucking fanboys because you played to the fucking lowest end of the spectrum and, yeah. and that's why you're angry. So, like, just just say for argument's sake, let's say you're on the stand now by the cancel culture because of a joke you made when you and Reese were hustling at the back of Enmore Theatre when you were 18 oh. years old. What would you and say to that? Like, let's say it was a horrific joke. I can't even think of a topic, but let's say it was a really bad joke that was right now you would that you would just never say it on stage. What is your response to who? The people who are saying, fuck Daniel Sloth, he's awful, get him off stage. Where are they saying it? Twitter. That's, that's where they always go. Okay, then I, then I don't go on Twitter. This is great. This is perfect. I don't go on Twitter. The ones that tweet me horrible things, I don't respond to them. I Like, um, yeah, like, fucking don't come to my fucking show. Like, what would it lead to? The worst thing you do is not come to my show. And guess what, cunt? I don't want you at my fucking show. You suck. You're a bad audience member. You're offended by a joke I told 10 fucking years ago? Fuck you. I'm glad you fucking hate my stand-up. You would be the worst audience member in the world. You're the whiniest. Why are these people that are cancelled? They're only losing the worst fucking audience members. You're not not losing intelligent people. You're You're not losing people who have any value to give to comedy. It's people that are going to sit in an audience and are ready to get upset. You don't want those people. Fuck them. Play this. If you ever get this vision, I'll just play this clip. Oh, man, the, the hypocrisy that will come out. I'll be apologizing. I'll be like, I'm so sorry. I've got myself into therapy. I'm a changed man. I've learned. I atone for my crimes. You'll be on Ellen. You'll be on Fallon. You'll be oh, everywhere. Apology tour, Kevin Hart style. <laughs> I'm sorry I said the things about the gays. Reese made me say them. He made me say those homophobic things. He said they turned them on. <laughs> Oh, man, well, I know it's like it's what? It's almost 11 there, right? Mm. All right, well, we better let you go. It's 11, yeah. We better let you go, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, Thanks for having me, bud. I know, you're fucking excited. I can't wait for you to come next month. 
and see a genuine human being on stage telling jokes in a seat, oh. not in my fucking car. Oh, I, I cannot to uh, to my Australian agents, to my UK agents, to everyone that made it fucking possible for me to come over. A sincere thank you, and I, Australia, even you, Adelaide. I cannot wait to see what. You. What the fuck did Adelaide do to you? What happened? It just Is sucks, story? man. Yes, it's all of it sucks. What's good? right? Look, here's the problem with Adelaide from a performer's level, right? And this this isn't just comedy. This is theatre. This is musicians. We all know. Just be careful what you say because Tourism Adelaide sponsor this show. I'm kidding. <laughs> they people in Adelaide do not book tickets to a show in advance because they're spoiled because they've got a comedy festival, they've got a fucking arts festival, they've got a poetry festival, they've got a fucking race car thing that happens all the fucking time to the capital. They've got so many things on that they just go, oh, there's it's our entitlement to entertainment. There's something on every day, and I'll just go out and I won't have to book anything because the, everything will entertain me. If something's sold out, I'll just walk to another part of that and be entertained by that because I'm Adelaidean and I have a right to be entertained. And and, and they just they, like I would be doing like 500 tickets in Melbourne, fucking 700 in Sydney, and you'd be looking at Adelaide, and you go, "Why have only 20 fucking people booked there?" And then you'd get there on the day, and it'd be sold out, and you're like, "What the fuck was that about? Book in advance, you fucking arseholes. That's why I'm in a fucking 90 seer here because none of you back up." And also, it's got right. I'm on this rant. Fucking, we're sticking with it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The traffic lights in Adelaide are unforgivable. They are the slowest things in the entire world. I once timed one Adelaide traffic light at about two and a half minutes from me pressing the button until it changed, right? Now, I live in the UK, right, where, look, there's police officers and we respect, like, let's say about 90% of what they say. But we understand that roughly 10 of 10, 10 of laws are bullshit. And one of the ones that is bullshit is if, if there's a red light, at two in the morning, it's your right as a cognitive adult human being to look left or right. And if there's no traffic to cross the road. Sure. In, Ad in Adelaide, I stood on the road. It was like, like two in the morning. It was after the festival. Everyone was drunk. 500 people on one side. Oh, that's an exaggeration. 50 people on one side, 50 people on the other. Red light. No cars. No cars for a minute. No cars for two minutes. It, grown adults, a hundred of them standing at the side of the road, waiting for a little green man. And none of them would break. They were drunk. These are meant to be the revelers. The people that are out till 2 a.m. And every last one of these cunts is stood waiting for a little green man. And I couldn't handle it anymore. And I took a step across the intersection and a heavily tattooed man tapped me on the shoulder and was like, oh, do you think you're cool? And I was like, no, I just think you're all losers. Like, this is so um, uh, But then again, I did, do, to be fair to them, I did go back two years ago and they won an exceptionally good crowd. And I did admit that to them. But I was going to say, like, do you have like a completely different set for Adelaide where it's just you just saying, fuck you and here's why? Oh, definitely. Like they know, they they know how I feel about them. They're not like you're not going to get any complaints about any people in Adelaide who know who I am. Like they know, <laughs> they know our relationship. Well, um, that's a good way to wrap it up, Daniel. Thank you so much, man. Um, I can't fucking wait to see you back. I know you're here in what, 2019, but yeah, I can't wait for this show. I can't wait to see you again. And um, thank you, man. And thanks for your time. Pleasure talking to you, buddy. See you soon. See you in April. See you then. Thanks, Daniel.
that's our episode. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Daniel for coming on the podcast all the way from his UK home. Again, the show is called Hubris. He will be out in Australia next month. He's touring all around the country. Head over to themusic.com.au for all of the dates and venues. Make sure you get your tickets to see a comedian on stage making you laugh while you're not in your car. That'll be a treat. And if you like what you heard, head over to thepodcast.com.au for all previous episodes of The Green Room, including last week's episode with Kings of Leon, there's Tash Sultana, uh, and there's other shows as well there. There's, there's That Sucks with Dan Cribb and Troy Navabarn, there's The Take with Willie Mason, there's Rewind with Steve Bell, there's something there for everyone. So make sure you head over to thepodcast.com.au, review, share, like, do all of the things you need to do to get podcasts out there, and we'll be back to do it all again next week. I'll see you there. Podcast from the Handshake Agency Network, produced by Neil Griffiths, recorded and engineered by Tim Parker, executive producer Craig Trewick. <laughs>